Um, anyone who likes market-based economic policy in South Africa should be absolutely terrified. Um, everyone, anyone who's worried about the kind of RET, uh, EFF coalition, or just the general ANC-EFF coalition should be deeply concerned. Um, look, the, the DFF is doing fantastically well. Hello, my name is Donald, and welcome to the number one media company, Worldview. At Worldview, we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. Today, back with us is Davi Schultz. Davi is, of course, political analyst and a polling expert. Davi, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Donald. Good to be here. Davi, um, so can you give us a bit of a summary of the recent by-elections that have taken place in South Africa? Yeah, of course. So um, it's been a very uh, interesting year, right? So just to, to review, we had uh, a local government election in November 2021, right? Um, which was an interesting election because the ANC got for the first time under 50% in that election. Um, and so it's it's been really interesting um, because pretty much ever, ever since then, I've been tracking all of the systematic way to see what trends we can observe and what it implies for the next national government election, which is in 2024, right? And so, so it's interesting. We've had, um, I think, what I would call 89 analytically useful by-elections, and I'm happy to expand on what that is, but basically 89 ward by-elections that I think are useful to include in the analysis that encompasses about 170,000 voters. So it's a, it's a large sample. Um, and for People who are kind of technically inclined to, you know, elections analysis and so on. Um, you know, in my view, these by-elections are almost like a non-random sample of voters um, that you can analyze, right? And so um, <clears throat> the way I've always looked at it is you look at these uh, 89 wards or 170,000 voters um, and you isolate them into the different demographic groups that they fall into um, for those wards that are uh, kind of very demographically homogenous. Um, and then you look at them back in history. So you say, you know, for those wards that have voted, um, you know, uh, what did they what did they do in 2019 and 2021? And what did they do in the by-election to see, to see the patterns emerging? And so there's really, I think, uh, four groups, maybe five, but four very interesting, distinct demographic groups that one can talk about, right? And the way I analyze the, the results. It, it, it's more detailed, but, but this is, I think, the... the useful, talkable version of it. Um, so group number one is just by-elections in areas that are overwhelmingly black. So an example would be Soweto or uh, there were, you know, there were by-elections in Pizzawotla municipality in Northwest where there are lots of townships where basically there are wards that you know are very close to 100% black. There's almost no one else voting there. So you have a good idea of the kinds of people who are voting there. Um, and if you take all of those wards together, and the way I split it with, with wards that are overwhelmingly black is I look at, at it in, inside KZN, I look separately, and then I look at all of the wards outside of KZN, just because in KZN, you know, the IFP is involved, there are like different patterns to be, to be observed. And, and this, of course, is also by far the most important sample from, from an ANC perspective, right? So um, I'm turning to my spreadsheet. So sorry if I uh, just look at numbers for a moment. So if you look at then, um, you know, black wards, outside of uh, KwaZulu-Natal, um, you had a sample of, in by-elections, 85,000 voters, so 85, a lot. So that's a big, big, big sample, 85,000 voters. 
Um, and you look at those wards specifically, it's like 50 plus wards, um, and you compare them uh, over time, right? Um, in, in these wards in 2019, the ANC got 71% of the vote, okay, in these specific wards. Um, then in 2021, they got 67% of the vote. Um, and then in 2022, they got 53% of the vote in the by-elections this year. So, you, you know, just think about the slide again. So 72% um, of the vote in 2019, um, 67 in 21, and then 53 in the by-elections this year, and a sample of 85,000 voters. So you're talking about in the ANC score electorate, in the black electorate, they're down 20 percentage points um, on 2019, right? And, and I mean, I've run the national election numbers many times there's no way the ANC gets to a national majority if that happens to them with black voters so it's it's just devastating um so very long answer but that's the the one group to talk about is black voters outside of case maybe i'll give one more and then i'll pause if you have any questions because they can talk about other groups as well but the other one that's interesting then is you know black voters um in KZN, right so these are not specifically like KZN wards um and there the numbers are as follows so I think we had about, um, you know, kind of wards worth about 42,000 voters voting in by-elections this year in black wards in KZN. In those exact wards, the ANC won 59% in 2019, then 45% in 2021, then this year 41%. So they're down from 45 to 41. Um, but I think very significantly the IFP beating the ANC across all of those wards um, where they lost in 2019 to the ANC and in 2021. The gap closed in 2021, but the IFP now surpassing the ANC in the sample, um, which is extraordinary, right? I mean, if you think about it, so they went from in 2019, 59% to 2022, 41%. So minus 13%, also nowhere close enough to be able to carry KZN for the, for the ANC. Um, so th that just points to me to real trouble for the ANC because they need big numbers um, with these kinds of voters to be able to maintain a national majority. And Davi, do you think people are realizing um, their worth in these by-elections? Are the turnouts increasing? Are more people coming to the by-elections and seeing, okay, my protest vote is not actually doing something? So, no. Um, I mean, the, the short answer is that um, historically, turnout has always been lower in by-elections than in, in national and local government elections. Um, but, but, you know, I will, I will say not that much lower. So I still think these, these numbers are analytically useful, right? So... If you look at, let's just talk about the case in sample as an example, right? So, you know, I said 42,000 voters voted in these wards in this year's by-elections. In 2019, it was, um, it's kind of number of people were 53,000, right? Um, and actually in last year's local government election, 40,000. So, you know, the local government election, 40,000 people voted in these wards and the by-elections, 42,000 voted in these wards. So it's similar to actually turnout from the local government election. It's a bit below the national government election, but, you know, by-elections typically have results that are turnouts that are lower than in national government elections. And I personally don't think that really skews the results in, in you know, and forgive me for getting technical for a moment, but in demographically homogenous wards, so we're, just for the sake of discussion for this example, where all the voters in the ward are kind of black voters, for example, in a township, where the turnout is 20 or 30 or 40%, I think the people that are turning out typically vote the same as the people who didn't turn out, is my, is my assessment of places that are demographically homogenous. When places are not demographically homogenous, then I agree, there's turnout is quite important because then, you know, if you've got a ward that's, say, 50-50 white-black, 
um, and all the voters, the white voters turned out, and if some of the black voters turned out, then the results get skewed, right? Um, so that's why I always think that in wards like this that are demographically homogenous, from an analytical perspective, um, it's still useful to analyze um, these demographically homogenous wards, even if turnout is relatively low, and turnout wasn't even that low in these by-elections, I'd say. And Davi, I think you mentioned 89. There were 89 useful elections. Is Drakenstein yes. one of them? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, so, but remember now, we just spoke about black voters, right? So this is our different part of the discussion. So, so just to then finish the rundown. So there, there kind of are three other demographic groups that I think are useful discussing. Um, so the one is colored voters across the country. Um, the other one is then what I would call white Afrikaans areas where both the DA and the Freedom Front Plus contested, right? So I think if there was a white Afrikaans by-election where only the DA contested, I've not put it in this analysis um, because the DA would have done very well in the ward. Um, and also, you know, the, the kind of key competition that the DA faces in that portion of the electorate wasn't, you know, involved. So it inflates the DA number a little bit, right? So if you just look at the wards for, if you talk about white Afrikaans voters where um, the DA and the Freedom Front Plus contested, that's the sort of other fourth sample that I have. And then the fifth one is white English voters. Um, but I think generally not particularly useful because the key competition for the DA in that portion of the electorate seems to be Action SA, if you look at the 2021 election results. And Action SA only contested very selectively this year. Um, so the DA did fantastically well in those wards. Um, but I think, again, because there's not, not that much of their primary competition competing. Um, so. Um, but, but anyway, let's just talk about white Afrikaans voters, right? Because I think this is a very interesting one. So the, the first one to just say is that the, the sample is smaller, right? So it's, it's, you know, just because, you know, if you randomly select wards that go to by-election, fewer of them be white Afrikaans, right? And for example, black wards. Um, so we have a total of, um, let me just count them up here, kind of like 15, 16 wards um, going for by-elections with, um, with a kind of total... A sample hold on um, of sixteen or seventeen thousand voters, right? So still quite quite sizable. Um, and if you look at, at those exact wards, right? So seventeen thousand voters that, that went to go vote um, this year, the the kind of DA won sixty four percent roughly of those votes, right? Um, in twenty nineteen it was sixty, in twenty twenty one it was sixty six. So it's kind of in the ballpark but a little bit better than 2019, which I think makes sense, right? Because we knew that DA got absolutely hammered with the right of the plants in 2019. Um, there was a huge revolt going to the Freedom Front Plus. Um, and, and, you know, as the analysis I had done at the time also showed, recovered a little bit in 2021, so went from 60 to 66. This, to me, seems in the ballpark, right? Like 64, it's roughly the same. Um, but what's interesting to me, and, and we just I think they will not be ultra happy about this set of by-elections, um, is if you look at the Freedom Front Plus number, it went from 19% in these wards in 2019 to 18% in 2021, so down slightly in just these wards, up to 26% in the by-elections this year. So, you know, if, if I look at the just the white Afrikaans picture in total, and of course the Drakenstein result and the Bella Bella result, right, or the, the two kind of really big Freedom Front Plus successes, are in this pool of results. Um, you know, I think the, the DA had a horrible um, result in that Darkenstein result and also in the Bella Bella result. My sense is that those two were particularly bad. You know, there are always outliers on both sides, right? There are some places where the DA also looked fantastically well, and the truth is somewhere in the middle where it averages out. So I think fact one is that probably it's not like the Freedom Fund Plus is now the majority party with white Afghans voters, just if you look at them on um, uh, mass. 
Um, but there's something interesting separate to say about the Western Cape, I think, which will be interesting to observe, and I'll say that in a moment. Um, but but the, for me, the overriding fact is that the DA seems to be slightly better than 2019, perhaps stable on 2019. Who knows? It's a relatively small sample, right? And the Freedom Front Plus is still there. But I think for me, the key point is the Freedom Front Plus problem has not gone away. And that's a very important part of the DA's national math is trying to squeeze the Freedom Front Plus and trying to get those votes back. And it, it just doesn't look to me like the Freedom Front Plus has gone away in, in aggregate nationally. Um, but so that's the one observation. Um, uh, the other observation is just about the Drakenstein results specifically. Um, and, you know, we're talking very small sample here and with a very strong Freedom Front Plus candidate and a DA candidate who didn't live in the war, et cetera. So we need more data to be certain, right? But the one thing that that I think is, is interesting is the polling of Western Cape DA voters that I've seen suggests they're all ultra supportive of Cape independence. But, you know, the, the, the particularly like white... DA voters in the Western Cape, white Afrikaans, rural DA voters in the Western Cape are like ultra supportive of Cape independence, but still don't really see a practical way to get there. So vote DA, right? Um, and and that Darkenstein result, um, I, I know for a fact the Freedom Front Plus pushed like really heavily on signal to the DA that you support Cape independence by voting Freedom Front Plus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I wonder if there's not um, an interesting undercurrent taking place with white Afrikaans voters in the Western Cape regarding Cape independence, um, because I suspect that this will be a continual message from the Freedom Front Plus. It is pressure the DA to push the Cape towards independence by voting Freedom Front Plus. Um, and yes, if, if your vote happens to be the vote that takes the DA under 50%, don't worry, we'll go into coalition with the DA and everyone knows the Freedom Front Plus will do that, right? So I think it, 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 that will be an interesting one to see. And that's my hypothesis at this point, is that the DA may have a special complexity with what the voters in the Western Cape, which doesn't exist necessarily other places in the country. Um, and look, it doesn't explain the Bella Bella result, who knows, right? There are, sometimes there are local effects. I think it was a particularly strong candidate there. We have to continue observing the trends to see. So long answer on Darkest Um, But Darby, do you think they know this? Do you, know, do you think the DA knows know. that the, the, um, the main threat lies with something like Cape Independence and the threats from Plus is taking advantage of that? Because I, I, so. I, I interviewed John Stenhausen the week before, <laughs> I introduced him as the spokesperson for the good side of the ANC. I, he, didn't like, <laughs> he didn't like that at all. But um, yeah. uh, he, he says... You're, I'm not the only person who gets victimized by your, your uh, introduction jokes. I like that. Anyway, he, he, he said that um, it's, it's, just, it's just a local issue. It's, it's nothing yeah. significant. Um, it's about the sewerage. It's bad service yeah. delivery. And they've initiated inquiry and they're going to fix all of that. Do you think that's just a smokescreen? He's just trying to deflect from something that he thinks is actually quite serious. Look, who knows, right? He may be right. I, I, it's difficult to make a factual statement about, you know, one voting station in Darkenstein where there were like, I don't know, you know, 2,000 or 2,500 voters or something. So we need to see more data. But there's a couple of facts, right, that we know about. Fact one is the public polling about this. The public polling about this says that white Afrikaans voters in the Western Cape love the idea of Cape independence, right? They don't see a viable way to get there, for example, by voting for the Cape Party, right? But they like the idea of trying to pressure the DA to push for a referendum, push for more federal powers, all those kinds of things, right? That's, that's the one thing we know for a fact, I think. It's just, it's known. The other thing which we know is the manner in which the DA campaigned in 2021, right? If you will recall, um, particularly I thought Jordan Neil Lewis was extremely smart in 2021 in trying to 
almost um, out-position and out-maneuver a little bit the gap independence um, uh, message by trying to talk a lot about how the DA was going to try to insulate the Western Cape and Cape Town from national government. How, you know, the DA wanted to put, you know, really put up protective barriers between Cape Town and the rest of the country, et cetera. Et cetera. And what they meant by that is like, yes, we, you know, don't vote Cape, the Cape Party because they can't give you Cape independence, but we will try to make you as independent as possible by having independent power producers, by you know, having our own, you know, trying to federalize the, the, the taking away the, tra the train, the metro rail powers, trying to bring policing to Cape Town, et cetera, et cetera. So it just, there's a lot, the moves that they are making suggests to me that they're aware of it and they're trying to neutralize it. Um, and it's also the Freedom Fund Plus seems super strongly convicted that this is a strong campaign platform for them, right? Because they keep pushing on this consistently. And I don't think they would do that if it didn't have any impact. So I think it's in there and I think everyone's aware of it. And I think they're, trying to manage it. Um, it's, it's, that's my somewhat unscientific view at this point, based on reading the context. And do you think we're going to see another surprising result in Cape Agalas, based on this, that the phrase from Plus and the DA, it's, not, it's going to be another close one? Yeah, I mean, if, if this holds, right? Um, if, if what we are saying is true, which I think I must uh, like admit is speculative, right, at this point, but if it, if the trends that we've perceived previously, the first answer is just the Freedom Fund Plus will do okay. There will be a Freedom Fund Plus. So the national model that I've built would suggest that the Freedom Fund Plus is going to get roughly what they got in that ward in 2019 and 2021 as a start. There's no collapse of the Freedom Fund Plus is what the, I think I would be quite quantitatively confident in saying. But a little bit more speculatively, if this discussion about Cape independence is... Um, meaningful in these by-elections and the Freedom Fund Plus again is pushing that message in that ward which I believe is the case from what I've heard then you know that will be an interesting more to see if, if the, that happens again because if it does then the picture starts filling in for me a little bit like okay this is actually this is actually a consequential thing to look out for 2024 because if Freedom Fund Plus does that province-wide and somehow succeeds um, then it could have a meaningful impact on the Western Coast provincial vote for the DA in 2024. Uh, Darby, it seems like something interesting is happening in terms of the DA seems like they're bleeding the white Afrikaans vote, but they're getting yeah. black voters in, 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 in the townships around Cape Town. So is, <coughs> is, is that sort of a balancing act? Are they actually really getting black votes in, in areas like that? Yeah, let's, let's talk there, right? So, so I think um, the, one, the one kind of portion of the electorate, because you know, I went through all the portions, um, the one portion I haven't spoken about yet was colored voters, right? And it must be said, the DA is recovering with colored voters. So, you know, uh, it, it was, I think, quantitatively just completely clear that it was an horrific election for the DA in 2021 with colored voters, right? They lost, like, a lot of support. There was a huge splintering of the colored vote going to all sorts of small places. So, you know, typically, like, Mitchell's Plain, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but, you know, a place like Mitchell's Plain, the DA in 2019 got 75 or 80 percent, or I think 80 percent roughly, they got 60 percent in 2021. Why? Because there's a portion of Mitchell's plan that went to the Cape Cod Congress, a, a bit more to ACDP than usual, a bit more to good than last time, um, a couple of PA votes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the DA had a really bad election in 2021. Um, and it also shows in the sample that I will talk through now, right, with colored voters. So, um, and, and this is the one place where the DA is starting to recover. So um, I think what, what the numbers show um, is that um, in the wards where the kind of 
PA also was present. So it's a smaller sample, right? Only about 10,000 voters. So it's not that significant, but it's, a, it's indicative, right? It's interesting. So in these wards, 10,000 voters, if you just look at the DA percentage, right? The DA got 49% in 2019. Then they bombed down to 51 in 2021, they're up to 44 in the by-elections this year. So the basic summary is they really crashed in 2021. They're coming back up in the by-elections this year, but not yet all the way back up to 2019, but maybe in the ballpark of roughly 2019. So, so if I summarize on the, from the DA side, so this is the one bright area, I think, of DA results this year is with, um, is with color voters. So they look like they're recovering back up to 2019 levels. Um, for the record, we don't have enough violations in Indian areas and just so small, we, we just don't know. With white voters, on the English electorate, they've had fantastic results, but without actually say competing, so who really knows? Probably they're roughly okay, I guess. Um, with white Afrikaans voters, it seems to me stable on 2019, maybe a little bit better, but roughly stable, the freedom from class is still there. So the problem persists, in other words basically. Um, and then the final piece of the puzzle for the DA is, okay, they're not with black voters, right? And this is interesting. So the DA has not competed in a lot of by-elections where black voters are present this year. Um, there are four samples to talk about. Okay. Number one is, the first one was the Soweto Ward 53 by-election earlier in the year, where they did terribly. They got, I think they went from, so they went from 3% to 4%. The ANC number tanked. Um, but the numbers went to an independent action is saying to the FF. Okay, so basically stable on very low numbers in, in the Soweto by-election. Okay, but that's one word one wasn't overreact. Okay. The second one, which was a fantastic result for the DA, was in um, the city of Cape Town, um, Ward 38 in Nyanga, I believe, or Crossroads, Nyanga at Crossroads. Um, so in, in Crossroads, they had a fantastic by-election. They went from something like 8 to 12%, right? Um, then in Targastat, right in the Eastern Cape, very small, very small area, right? Um, uh, so, and also quite like unique, there are some like minority voters in between, um, but there they had a like truly fantastic result. I think they went, they like quadrupled their numbers, fantastic. So based on the Nyanga and Targastat by-elections, you know, one reasonably start asking questions like, okay, maybe actually all the DA doing which was black voters. I think where it, um, it kind of hit a wall for me was in, in Ditsubota, which is now like, and that's a big sample, right? It's a full municipality, uh, you know, I think 60, 70,000 black voters. Um, and then the, the DA number was just totally stable on like four or five percent, basically. I think five percent. They got five percent in 2021, they got five percent again in the by-election in, in a big sample. So probably um, because it's still quite limited, right? And also very specific samples from specific areas of the country, um, you know, to do this properly, one would need like some Limpopo numbers for the DA with black voters, some KZN numbers, some free stuff. You know, we just want a little bit, we want more hunting, we want from all over. So I'm not confident in saying what the DA situation with black voters is, but I mean, based on the Ditsubota numbers, I would be quite confident that it is not a surge, right? Like maybe they're doing a little bit better, but it is not a surge. And, and there's maybe also a split between how they're doing with black urban voters versus black rural voters, right? One would have to see. Because the numbers in Cape Town were great, but it's just one ward. It's also like, Sibiria-Khorubis area, so it's like probably one of their best constituency MPs in there. I, like, who knows, right? Yeah. And the, the final thing I'll say is, so it's uncertain to me. Um, what's certain to me is that we're better with colored voters, the same with white voters, which leaves therefore big question on black voters. Um, and and this is now without action SA in most of these by-elections, right? So 
you know, the, the interesting question about the DA is the, the polling throughout the year that had them in like in the mid 20s. If the Freedom Front Plus is still there with white voters, right? And Action SA is conceivably eating some white vote, including white English vote, particularly white English vote, I think. And they're sort of, let's say they recover back to 2019 with colored voters. They're not above that table yet. Then the only way, the, 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 like quantitatively, it's impossible to imagine any way they get to the mid-20s, right, overall, is if they have a surge of black voters. There's, there's just no quantitatively no other way to do it. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, we, we have to see. We have to see more data. Um, the data water result, I think, raises some concerns for me uh, about the, the likelihood of that being the case. Yeah, it's sort of ironic. Um, Action SA and Fresno Plus making the DA quote unquote a more diverse party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but but I, what I don't understand is, for example, if you get the surge in a place like Nyanga, but nothing happens yeah. in a place like the Northwest. I don't I don't yeah. understand that disparity. Like, how is that possible? Like, I mean, it's not that this voter <laughs> is completely different to the other voter. I mean, they are a little bit, right? So I think firstly, like, living in DA, Gavin, Cape Town, um, you know, uh, and actually, you know, if you if you do the analysis at scale, Black Tulsa-speaking voters have a very specific voting pattern that's different from white, or from Black Tswana-speaking voters, who are voters in the Northwest, right? So, or, vote, or, or kind of Black Zulu-speaking voters in KZN. It's um, they're all still backing the ANC, but the extent to which they back the ANC is significantly different. And the DA's level of penetration is different in different groups. The EFF's level of penetration is different groups. The IFP's level of penetration is obviously very different in different groups. So, um, so, so they are a bit different. Um, and, and also, I think, to say that, geez, there was this one by-election where the DA did really well in Yanga or in Crossroads, they must be doing very well with... with you know, black voters in the Western Cape or Eastern Cape. No, I like it. It's, it's not enough to say that there's a trend. And even and and even the, the Tabota result, I'd say, probably is enough to say, you know, with rural Twana-speaking voters, they're not doing great. But because of what happened in Tzibotla, you know, I wouldn't be ultra confident to say how they're doing in the more urbanized areas of Northwest, or, for example, how they're doing with the, the kind of black Tswana speaking urban voters in Halting, because there's quite a lot of those voters in places like Tswana and Johannesburg. Um, and, and what happened in Tsubota, I think, would not be a perfect one for one predictor of how it's going. So it's just not enough to have this discussion like deeply. I think it's it's little flags, little crumbs that can create the hypotheses for us, right? And for me, the hypothesis is that the DA is kind of doing okay with black voters, but not a search. That's and therefore, 25 looks very far away. That's kind of my hypothesis based on everything we've seen. But, you know, it's like crumbs, as I was saying. Mm. At 24, probably. I, I, hope, I hope it doesn't go to 25. Uh, I mean, you know, 25, 26, 27, whatever the number is. Um, you know, are you, I mean, oh, you're I'm, talking about the polling. Yeah. I, I thought you talk about the, the election. I was like, let's oh, keep no, it. No, no, I'm talking about the polling. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, 2024. Yes, please. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the polling. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, Darby, do you think the EFF? should be happy about the results that they've gotten from all the by-elections. Exceptional. Like, they should be absolutely delighted. Um, anyone who likes market-based economic policy in South Africa should be absolutely terrified. Um, everyone, anyone who's worried about the kind of RET, uh, EFF, 
coalition or just the general anti-FF coalition should be deeply concerned. Um, look, the, the DFF is doing fantastically well, right? And it's what um, their numbers went up from something like 17% to or 16% to 28%. So talking plus 10, um, taking it straight out of the ANC. Um, in Pumblanga, they're doing very well. In Gauteng, they're doing very well. Like there, there is a swing in the black electorate away from the ANC and it's going to the IFP in KZN and it's going to the EFF generally elsewhere. Um, question is what happens when actually say contests everywhere, right? Um, they did quite well in the one Soweto by-election. They did quite poorly in the two Eastern Cape by-elections they contested. So who knows what their national blueprint is at this point. Um, so, uh, but 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 the the swing in the black election is taking place and it's growing largely to the FF. So who knows how national it is and exactly how big it is, but I would be, based on by-elections, extremely quantitatively confident at this point to say that the EFF is, um, at this point, doing better than they did in 2019 and than they did in 2021. Do you think the most likely outcome in 2024 based on this is an ANC EFF coalition? Um, of no. all the scenarios. So, so, <laughs> actually, I, I look, so let's talk scenarios to before, right? So um, I, I do think it is more likely than not that the ANC will be below 50, right? So it's not guaranteed, but it's more likely than not, um, given everything we know now. Um, there's a huge difference between an ANC in the high 40s and an ANC in the mid to low 40s, right? So probably actually the most likely outcome is an ANC in the mid to high 40s um, that's able to cobble together a government with a bunch of other small parties it got. So good, if the NFP is still around the NFP, you know, uh, let me not be disparaging uh, other small parties like the AIC, the PA, et cetera, right? Okay, so that, that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, then probably about equal in likelihood is the ANC just hitting 50 on its own anyway, or the ANC has a really bad election and has like 45 or 44% of the vote, um, right? In which case it needs a real party to form a coalition with, right? Um, so once you're in the realm of the ANC needs a real party to form a coalition with, I think it's anyone's guess about whether which one of the bigger parties they would go with, right? Um, I mean... Action SA has been absolutely like ultra clear that they won't go into coalition with the ANC. Um, so let's just, I mean, nothing is ever guaranteed in politics. Let's just assume for now they wouldn't, right? Um, and that leaves the big options, basically the IFP, the DA or EFF, right? My sense, and by the way, as we speak, the results from the ANC conference are not announced. They're gonna be announced shortly, but my sense is if Ramaphosa wins, but Ramaphosa would probably prefer to go with the DA, right? And not with the EFF. Um, and I get the sense that some people in the DA would also prefer that, right? Um, so uh, my kind of very uncertain, not confident guess is that, that the DA-ANC coalition is slightly more certain than the DA, also the, the ANC-EFF coalition. Um, but, you know, once you get to the point where the ANC is 45% or less and they need a real party, then all bets off, I guess, because then any combination is possible, including, of course, the outside possibility of an actually a coalition government, right? Um, like a proper non-ANC coalition government, which quantitatively does require the EFF, just to clarify that, um, which therefore does require an agreement with the EFF, which is unlikely, right? But 
but theoretically like theoretically possible i guess but probably the least likely of the of the yeah. solutions i mean I, I think the the main problem is there who's the president i think that's a it's a, it's a big elephant in a room and that sort of yes. co coalition scenario who becomes the president of south yeah. africa because actually yes. is not gonna tolerate john stenhausen or helen zilla being the president of south africa I think they would. I, like my my view is they would. Um, but 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 I think the problem is Julius Malema will not tolerate John Stevenson, right? Like I think that's the more difficult one. Um, I, I I find it I find it uh, that I think is going to be complex. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course the you know the assumption is that the DA would be the second biggest party, which I think is by far the most likely outcome. But you know depending how the EFF really goes, depending how the DA goes, depending how Action SA goes. You know, it's not totally guaranteed that the DA is necessarily the second largest party, right? Um, plus, then there's all sorts of other, I guess, um, unity candidate kind of options, right? Where they have like someone who everyone respects from a smaller party or something. You know, they, there's weird scenarios. Like Musi Maimane. Oh, good lord, no! Um, I, I, I have no idea. Um, it, it, it's it's <laughs> it's a bit like. Uh, grasping the straws at this point, right? I think that by far the most likely um by far the most likely outcome, you know, is ANC plus smaller parties, ANC on its own, uh, or ANC with one of the other big three forming a, a coalition. And who of those big three yeah. I, I, rec I recently spoke to Peter Grunewald and he says the most likely scenario is the IFP ANC coalition 2024. Uh, he and the from Plus thinks that is the most because they have this sort of weird relationship where they're almost ideologically polar opposites, but they support yeah. each other immensely. They're sort of friends with each other. <laughs> so he says it's entirely likely that you will see a coalition um, that the ANC will use the IFP as a partner in 2024. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, that's possible, I guess. Um, I, I think the, it will have interesting kind of uh, an interesting co-relationship with what happens in KZN, because you know, given the current trends, the IFP is on the up and up, and the ANC is on its way down big time in KZN. Particularly if Ramaphosa wins, I think, at the conference, which is more likely than not, it seems. Um, but maybe tight, right? Um, but 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 you know. Which means a coalition will also be required in KZN. So the event seems to be quite a kind of dual deal to be made about the IFP governs KZN, the ANC governs the country, right? In that situation. But I well, can speak about the potential scenarios, I guess. And Davi, action essay. Um, it yeah. seems they, they're struggling to a certain degree. I've, uh, one, that one result in Eastern Cape was not amazing. I think it was like 3% yeah. that they got in the by election. Yeah, exactly. And they're supposed to be the party that. It's going to get this this uh, disaffected black vote and it didn't really transpire yeah exactly so look i think that was an awful result of it uh, not just yet. like that like that result was was um disconcerting um and look i think the the reality is um you know even if you look at the 2021 results the numbers were more concentrated in hunting right like the they 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 did okay in, in Newcastle and Guadalcuza, um, because I think they have quite strong local structures there um, in KZN, not fantastically well, but they did okay. They, of course, did incredibly well in Joburg, um, and okay in Trani and okay in Ekrulene, right? But really poorly in Ekrulene. So I think the, and those are the six different things. So the, the theory about them was always better in Houding, and the further you go away, the weaker it get. Um, and their challenge has been to build name recognition, build structures, build support out in the country. That is not helping, right? Um, they did 
okay in the other Eastern Cape by-election they contested. So they were in um, Nelson Mandela Bay, Ward 43, which is a township in, in Nelson Mandela Bay, where I think they won 8% of the vote or something, um, which is okay, right? So if there were to be 8% of the black vote across the Eastern Cape, that is a lot of votes. Um, that That's significant. Um, but, you know, they only won, what, 2 or 3% in Tarkastad, right, which is rural Eastern Cape. So I think for them, we need to see more by-elections. The kind of couple of hypotheses to have at this point is probably probably the vote they had with black voters in Gauteng is probably still there based on what the, the one by-election they had, but it's a, also a very untested hypothesis, right? Um, the, the vote they had with white voters in Gauteng, I think, and a little bit with white voters in Edukini, by the way, probably translates into at least some national potential with white voters. I don't, I don't like, I think that that's something that spreads quite quickly through media. So that's an easier support base to build rapidly. So I could see them like white, like white voters in Cape Town, I could see there being an action essay vibe with some of those voters, right? Um, but I think the, the question on black voters outside of Gauteng will be extremely interesting. I think will be very regionalized, right? So my sense, and, you know, completely unscientific sense with no evidence, but just a little bit based on gut and, and previous experience in politics, right? Is that, that Mashaba's from um, uh, uh, Northwest, right? Or from Northern Gauteng, but with roots in Northwest, some roots in Mpumalanga and Limpopo, right? So like, and they have, it, it just seems from, if you follow their social media and like their activities on the ground, like, stronger branch formation in places like Northwest and Popo and Pumalanga than, for example, the Eastern Cape. So my hypothesis is that more potential for them in, in the Popo, Northwest and Pumalanga, less in the Eastern Cape, less in the Western Cape. Um, they seem nowhere with colored voters. That's another big important group where I would love to get some data to see how they're actually doing, um, because it's an opposition voting block where one could imagine some potential for them, but you know, the PA is also in there, the DA is very strong. So I think they're a third or fourth in line, so it'd be tough. Um, and, and you know, the, the action essay question I think will be about the different kind of black cohorts across the country and the level of penetration in the different groups um, and, and where their potential lies. Um, because the, the sort of three, four, five percent thesis suggests mostly in Gauteng, right? And not much more. Um, but if they start getting into Limpopo, start getting into Northwest, Free State and Pumalanga in a significant way, and then eat a little bit of the white vote in, you know, everywhere, and they get, you know, more than 3% of the Eastern Cape Black vote and the Western Cape Black vote, then it starts adding up to high single digits, maybe even double digits. But um, so we need to see data from other places as well. But you're right. I think the, the point is, they clearly have a ways to go on the Eastern Cape, um, and their national footprint um, is clearly like more more cutting, more north, um, and they have work to do to, to expand it. I think. So, as a spokesperson for Action SA, you say there's hope for the party. Um, look, I think I think I um, don't um, I don't think the polls that say that they're in the mid single digits are far off. Is my sense. Um, but but the, the hope part, I think, is also true. Uh, is, you know, just if you logically think about it, right? Like a uh, new party trying to create structures. And actually in South Africa, in my experience that you've seen is it takes a long time to build name recognition, right? Like, um, I, I mean, 
uh, as it's publicly known, I at one point worked for Musi Maimani in 2011. I, I left the day in 2014, right? So, but in the early part of his career, I was um, kind of writing his press statements um, for him. And uh, I remember we did a poll, like in something like 2013 or 2014, and it was just amazed at how few people knew who he was at that point in time. Like after three years on the national stage, tons and tons of front page media coverage for years and his name recognition was like 30 or 40 percent so the, the, the lesson is just that it takes a very long time to like for example even john stianism right has low, quite low name recognition right not a lot of people know who john stianism is right or have any well-formed opinion of him um just it just takes a long time to build name recognition and of course name recognition and kind of having name recognition and then two or three bullets in the voter's mind about said name is central to building support, right? And it just takes a long time in South Africa. So I think in the case of actually say for me, I'm not surprised that they're voting at four or five or six percent. I think that seems roughly right. You know, there were two and a half percent based on Gauteng support. Probably there's a bit of just latent support everywhere, you know, if poll everywhere. Um, but but upward potential <coughs> sorry, if they build name recognition and structures. And, and then expand from there, right? So um, that that's my feeling of them. If if they get the basics right, right, in terms of policy positioning, if they actually manage to get um, enough media exposure, which they're doing okay on, if they manage to get um, the structures up and running, if they manage to not be infiltrated by the ANC and totally destabilized, um, if they manage to position themselves right via the DA and not look like a DA hate organization, right? Um, if they manage to get enough fundraising. So there's a ton of ifs, um, but but there's potential. And yes, therefore hope, um, despite not being the spokesperson for action yesterday. And um, yes. I think it was actually brilliant, or okay, perhaps just fate, that they chose Gauteng as their base. But obviously, there's a lot of voters in Gauteng. It's it's a great place to start from, like just like it was from a DA to start in a place like Cape Town. It's, it's a great place to form your base and to operate from that. Yeah, and look, and, and it's also a place where media penetration is higher, right? Social media penetration is higher, media penetration is higher. Mashaba was mayor in Joburg. It, it just makes little sense, right? Like, and there's, and there's a lot of people on top of each other. So, you know, the old story about like breaking into the Northern Cape is an absolute pain in the ass because it's like 200 votes here and then 100 kilometers further, 200 votes there and then 300 votes there. And in each community, you need a branch, you need activities, you need presence, you need posters. No one's on social media. No one watches the news. They listen to some radio stations, maybe sometimes. But getting close to those voters, touching them is incredibly difficult. And how dang it's different. But like thousands and thousands and thousands of people on top of each other. So you put up posters in Soweto and you reach millions of people, right? You get good social media operation going, you reach millions of people in Gauteng. So it makes total sense. It's where you would start. And it's also where the discontent is highest, right? The, the ANC's approval rating amongst black voters is the lowest in Gauteng. It's the natural starting place for a kind of anti-ANC revolt. <clears throat> and how much, okay, because I mean, load shedding is just going to get worse. And I think, you yeah. know, load shedding is one of the main drivers for voters to vote against the ANC or to get them out to yeah. vote. And it's just yeah. going to get worse. I mean, we've got stage six load shedding now. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next winter. I mean, it's probably going to be a blackout or something. This is going to be probably a huge factor going and into the future in elections that absolutely uh, absolutely and and the and the opposition parties by the way need to come up with a super concrete just answer on how to fix it that the average person can understand 
And that is also, I think, quite honest about just how bad it is and how long it's going to be to fix it. Because just saying we're going to build IPPs, you know, it, it doesn't quite cut it. Um, so I think, sorry, that's a side point. But yes, you're right. The, the, the economic trajectory, and by the way, the forecasts and outlook for the global economy and probably also the South African, South African economy for 2023 are not particularly rosy, right? Um, so, like, I think quite likely um, we are headed into tough economic times for the next 12 to 18 months, um, combined with heavy load shedding for the next 12 to 18 months. If the ANC conference is anything to go by, an absolute non-stop ongoing knife fight internally in the ANC for the next 12 to 18 months, tough questions for the president to answer, whether it's Trenin Kize or Ramaphosa, either on digital vibes or on Palapala in the next 12 to 18 months. Nothing about the next 12 to 18 months for me, looks like an hospitable environment for a governing party to recover electoral support. Um, so it does not put on, put involved for the ANC at all, is my view. <clears throat> and are there any other by-elections that we should be um, looking forward to that's going to be interesting in the future? Yeah, so look, I mean, um, the, the, firstly, all the by-elections next year will be extremely interesting and should be observed closely. Um, but there's two that I'm aware of now that I think will be very interesting. Um, the one is the Cape Gallas violation you're talking about. So white Afrikaans voters in the Southern Cape, um, the Freedom Front Plus clearly making a big push, the Freedom Front Plus clearly making an independence-based push there with white Afrikaans voters. It will be interesting to see if the trend continues there. And then the other one that I'm, which is, I think, now a good action is a test to check out, is Polokwane Ward 10 or something um, on the 23rd of January. It's going to be, it's a township ward in Shechel, actually, that's an EFF ward. Um, and it's a contest between the ANC, the EFF, and Action SA. Um, it will be very, very interesting to see the extent. And that's the first demographic test for Action SA outside of Gauteng to the north, right, to Limpopo. Um, and and the, they seem to suggest they're doing well in Limpopo. Let's see if it's in the numbers. I think that, that will be a very, very important and interesting one. If they don't do well in that by election, um, then I will start adopting personally a little bit various cash fraction this way. I think if they do well there, then the kind of view of, hey, this could actually be a high single digits, low double digits party, is it might be still possible. Um, uh, if, if they do well in places like, like, like that, I think there's, there's still demographic potential for them out there. Um, yeah, I forgot to ask you this. Um, when, uh, once when it comes to the colored vote, are they yes. getting uh, this is disaffected? Yes, wow, English with the patriotic alliance and um, good. Is there any evidence that they're getting disillusioned, um, or is that party is actually mm -hmm. growing stronger? Yeah, look, um, on, in aggregate, um, I'd say there are some places where the the DA did really well, like they smacked the PA in a couple of by elections. Um, but actually, in aggregate, I'd say the PA slowly growing bigger. In the, in the kind of across all by-elections, right? So because I had a couple of good ones as well. So if you look at the PA in the sample of by-elections that we had um, uh, across the year, they, uh, I didn't track them in 2019, so sorry, but in 2021, they got 13% in the colored wards that went up. Um, they got 20% across those wards in the by-elections. So my sense is the PA is still on the up, on the up and up, but the PA vote is interesting. So I think it's, um, it, it's, uh, in the northern provinces, there are small colored communities, right? In places like Eldorado Park, even in like Tsubota, there's a small colored community called kind of Eracles Blyde Valley or Blyde I think, um, where they won, right? So they, they are 
actually winning. Like they're, they're the biggest party in those places and it doesn't seem to be changing yet. And those are traditional DA areas. Now it doesn't really affect the DA number that much because they're small communities, but basically small pockets of colored voters in the Free State and Humalanga, the Popo, Northwest, Gauteng have massively swung to the DA and it seems to still be there, um, but that's small in the bigger picture. Um, the more important question is the rural Western Cape, right? There's one story where it's up and down but in aggregate, the PA seems to be on the way up, right, in the rural Western Cape. Um, but then the, the very important question is the urban Western Cape, um, where there's no evidence yet because we haven't had by-elections. So I would love to see some by-elections for the urban Western Cape, because that's where the bulk of colored voters are. Um, and it's also where the bulk of, well, where the DA is the strongest. So um, if it's in like Mitchell's Plain and, you know, Alsace River and et cetera, then the DA is in deep trouble. If the PA is swinging 10, 15, 5% of the regarded vote out of the DA to the PA in Mitchell's Plain, that means it's everywhere because that's the absolute core of, of the DA colored vote. Um, and, and so that would be very interesting, but, but we just don't know, right? Um, and then there are other pockets where the PA has kind of been running behind and it will be just interesting to see if they're making inroads. The one is the Northern Cape, um, where it's quite a large colored population, but totally kind of almost disconnected from the national trends, much more ANC, um, much more sticky towards the ANC, always a battle between the ANC and the DA, but the ANC doing quite well. Um, and the PA contesting a couple of violations, they're doing very poorly. So they're not in there yet. They're climbing the effort and see. And in the Eastern Cape, same story, the PA not in there that much yet. And there is quite a significant kind uh, of population in the Western kind of corner of the Eastern Cape, including Nelson and Delabay. Um, so, uh, but, but the Northern PA phenomenon combined with the PA in the, in the rural Western Cape, which I think is quite clear, they're, they're on the up and up. The critical question will be uh, uh, kind of uh, urban Western Cape plus, plus Eastern Cape and Northern Cape, we, don't, we just don't know. Mm. Okay, Davi, my last question is, um, the phrase from PLUS likes to give the DA their votes in certain by-elections. I don't know if that's a technical term, but that wasn't even a technical term, but what 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 they do is they they say okay, just vote for the DA guy or gal, yeah. um, so that they can win against the Patriotic Alliance or whomever. Do you yeah. think that's that long term? That's a, a wise strategy because it can <laughs> come back to bite you in the long term because people think okay, but what's the point of this party then? Aren't you supposed to put pressure on the DA? No, I, I disagree. So look, I think I, I think the one of the things about the Freedom Fund Plus. I sense is that they're being rewarded a little bit for maturity in this coalition discussion. Like you never see the Freedom Fund Plus squabbling with anyone. Like they're, I, I think they kind of they knife the DA a bit under the radar, right? In their WhatsApp groups and you know, in some posts and violations and so on. But it's I, never. Are, like, you, are you are you part of those WhatsApp groups? Uh, I'm part of lots of WhatsApp groups. Um, I. Um, so, so they, so I think, I think they, you never see the kind of squabbling in the media between the DA and actually say, right, between the DA and the Freedom Fund Plus. So, um, so they seem quite like mature and constructive. And then, you know, where there are by-elections where it's kind of theoretically a marginal by-election where both the DA and the Freedom Fund Plus have some presence, they typically stand back to give the DA a chance to win. So I think a lot of voters are like, yeah, I, you know, I like the, the calculated nature of the Freedom Fund Plus trying to maximize the kind of opposition uh, ward count in, in these situations with our by-elections. Um, of course, the Freedom Fund Plus can't be, you know, a permanent patsy of the DA, right? And as you see, in Mahale City, 
in Bella Bella, in Drakenstein, now in Capabellas, they do fight where it is, or they do fight these by-elections where there is an honest contest between the two and no real chance of the ANC or the PA or someone else winning, right? Which I think is the, the core interest that they're involved in. So, um, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's a problem. And actually, I think I think voters quite like it. Like, for example, when um, there was this board 99 in the community recently, right? Um, where it's a, a kind of a very marginal between the ANC and IFB, um, but there's a chunk of DA vote in the ward, right? And the ANC was, there's an ANC ward that went up for a violation. And then the DA said, okay, we're not fielding a candidate. We endorsed IFP, all of our voters vote IFP. And I mean, I was looking at the, the kind of DA voting stations very closely, like I think like 95% of the voters went over to the IFP. So people followed along. Um, and I think it's, uh, it, and I think voters quite like it. They're like, look, let's be mature as opposition parties and try to take down the ANC where we can, right? Um, and they clearly respond positively. Um, uh, as long, and in the case of the Freedom Front Plus, they don't become a patsy of the DA because I think their voters want something different than just the DA, right? They want an honest, very Afrikaans alternative, um, which they seem to be offering, you know, in the, in the water it makes sense to do so. My, really, my last question. Is the Freights from Plus making inroads with the colored vote? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you know, there's like, of course, you can point to very individual voting stations. Oh, they got five percent here, and they used to get zero, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, uh, but in aggregate, there's no evidence of that yet. Um, so I, I don't think so. So in, in Drakenstein, there was no real. No. Was there any? It, was there even colored vote involved in that municipality of, yes. of significance? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So what's interesting about the Drakenstein one, right, is there were two voting stations. So the DA won the ward, and the way they won the ward is they overwhelmingly won the, the colored voting station. So it was a kind of an overwhelmingly colored voting station in the ward, um, which was a smaller voting station, which is the one, I think, like 80% of it. And the Freedom Fund Plus won like zero, basically. And there was some ANC and PA votes or something, right? Um, and an independent or something. In the white kind of voting district, the white Afrikaans voting district, um, the Freedom Fund Plus actually won. They won 60, like 60, 30 or something. And this used to be a place where the DA wins like 90% of the vote, right? Um, and so it was close. Um, but the DA won because of the colored VD and, and the Freedom Fund Plus won, I think, almost nothing out of the colored voting district. So the, it's just one example. There are others as well. But my sense is that the Freedom Fund Plus is not particularly making inroads with, with colored or, or certain not black voters now. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a white Afrikaans phenomenon, but interestingly, a little bit of a white English year or there. Like you look at certain areas of KZN, like it's not like they get zero, you know, they get like four or five percent of very white voting districts um, that are 100 percent white English right so it's not it's not purely white Afrikaans I'd say mm, interesting well thank you Davi um, fascinating chat as always thank you so much for your time um, yeah to our viewers please like this video share it as wide as possible and subscribe to our channel for more such content my name is Donalds and you've been watching Worldview. view